I've asked the psyche to, to produce a dream. The, the, the patient will come back and be like, how did you put yourself in my dream? For adolescent women, they will probably around that time start to have so-called dark man dreams. Yeah. After a while, the psyche appears to become bored with the approach that it's getting. We approach it through a theory. It doesn't appreciate that. It would rather speak its own language in its own terms. And this question comes from Scuzzlord. And he says, hi guys, I was wondering about how much conscious awareness one needs to bring about change, specifically in regards to dreams. Do they need to be interpreted and understood by the conscious mind, or can just being aware of them be beneficial in itself? Oh, thank you. That's, uh, that's an interesting question. Uh, it's a bit of a perennial one. Intelligent people tend to ask this question. Uh, in my experience, uh, rather than just simply accept them uh, as facts and accept the theory as facts. However, I'm not sure if uh, the answer I'm, I'm going to give you is, is, uh, is going to be that popular or even that helpful. If you lived a full life and never took any notice of your dreams, you'd still live a full life. And by full life I just mean the complete lifespan development that you would naturally have. That's most people. Most people pay no attention to them whatsoever and they live a full life uh, without any effect that's noticeable either way. Deaf psychologists, mystics and a few other assorted types, uh, when they regard them as being important then they put a lot of attention and energy into their interpretation and there are a lot of different theories uh, that try to frame that approach. So if you take all of that all of that as a whole smorgasbord of options that you can bring to analyze dreams and their significance. What I will say is this, and I've been watching mine for, let's work it out, roughly 57, 58 years, I would say, at least, um, probably longer than that, but with dedication, should we say, uh, to attention, my own for that length of time, and uh, clinically working with other people's for over 40 years. What I can say is this, if you, if you pay dreams attention, they will respond, or the psyche will respond. However, uh, there's a dose effect curve. After a while, the efficiency of whatever method you bring to working with dreams will trail off. This is in common with many other techniques that you might use, whether that's active imagination or anything else that's commonly understood about the Jungian approach to the psyche. After a while, the psyche appears to become bored with the approach that it's getting, provided that approach is, shall we say, theoretical or structured. The reason, as far as I'm aware, and I've tried just about everything uh, to understand this, is quite simple. We approach it through a theory. It doesn't appreciate that. It would rather speak its own language in its own terms. Dreams, then, are not an abstraction. We may treat them as an abstraction because we analyse them from the perspective of normal consciousness. But as far as a dream is concerned, it's a context which is beyond what it appears to be because it encompasses the whole of your life, what you know, what you don't know, and it reacts to the psychosocial environments, it reacts to your metabolism at a biological level, and even deeper than that, to your unfolding genome. Which is why, for example, uh, where somebody has not been prematurely exposed, shall we say, to sexuality, uh, when the genome triggers 
uh, normal sexual development, then your dreams will very often reflect that. The relatively common phenomenon of wet dreams in young men, for example, nocturnal emissions as they're called, spontaneous nocturnal emissions, um, that's triggered genetically, it's triggered biologically, and the psyche produces a dream in accordance with your metabolism and with your unfolding genome. Um, and your lifespan development has got nothing to do with what you're thinking about necessarily consciously at all, except insofar as where that is affected by your biology and your ongoing social adaptation of your biology. Can I just quickly mm. interject there, Steve, because sometimes the ladies lose out on this one. And yeah. for, for young women, uh, for adolescent women, they will probably around that time start to have so-called dark man dreams. Yeah, uh, they're good Very, point. very common very good um, in adolescent mm. uh, females. So uh, that that's analogous, but, you know, obviously... Yeah, 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 um, it is. It, it's all to do with, with that. Yes, so it is. When you, when you analyse dreams, you need to understand the, t the complete context and you need to understand where they come from. And there's an assumption that it comes with a, a Jungian perspective from what he called the self-archetype. Mm whatever that is if you utilize that as a distraction t for yourself uh, you will get yourself lost what can it be well there are a number of things that it can't be it can't be independence of the genome it simply can't there is no separate psychological entity that resides within your body that regulates everything the regulation is genomic it comes from there your psychology emerges in parallel with the materiality of your being and with the expression of that materiality psychosocially and beyond that into the natural environment that's what our whole system is attuned for so in that sense, you have to be very, very aware of that whole context because it's from there that dreams emerge. The dynamic aspect, though, is interesting. That is real and that exists. There is, as Jung said, a homeostatic relationship between the conscious and unconscious minds. And if you don't take dreams for what they are, as he advised, as natural phenomenon, and if you start to superimpose any theory, as he said himself, including his own, between you and it, it will get bored of you. And at that point, it just switches off. So you have to be careful about overdoing dream analysis and dream work. If you start to just obsessionally almost write down all of your dreams, you won't get anything of value out of them at all because you're not doing anything in compensation for the material that's coming up. According to Jung, essentially what you're intended to do is to adapt to information that comes from the unconscious mind in a self-regulatory way, uh, rather than just obsessionally invert, dare I say, invaginate your, your attention inside your mind uh, to these spontaneous narratives that emerge out and then try and interpret them according to the state of your own conscious mind. You're not compensating for consciousness doing that. You have a confirmation bias which interprets the psyche. It will not like that. It will just switch itself off or just produce a load of distraction and nonsense for you to amuse yourself with, as it does in obsessional thought disorder, for example. Uh, there is a parallel there if you look into it with sufficient clarity. So the way to treat dreams then is to understand that you should have no theory in particular about them to lead with. Yes, to understand it, but you have to pressure test the theory. Here's another example. The difference uh, in Freudian dream interpretation and Jungian 
is very often that Freud said, for example, there was a manifest and a latent content to the dream. Jung countered that by saying, no such thing as a latent content. The manifest content is the dream. Uh, it just simply says what it is. They're both right, in my view and in my experience, and it's a matter of emphasis. A symbol is manifest, but its meaning can be latent. Therefore, there is a latent meaning within the symbolism, so-called, of dreams. How do you look at um, a symbol? How do you understand what it is? Well, think of it as a very broad band of information that's been zip-filed and compressed for you, and you have to consciously unpack it to understand it. Therefore, there is a latent meaning to the dream symbol. So you have to take it on those terms, but the absolute number one error that people mistake is that they do project their ego, their ego, back into the dream and then start to interpret it. Very often by borrowing uh, through reference in the culture into uh, narratives that exist out there psychosocially. So suddenly you're finding a king and a warrior and a lover and a magician in your head that were never there. You have to really, really get to grips with this. If you want to experience, as Jung said, the dream as a natural phenomenon, you must accept it on its own terms. Then there are stages of approaching the dream with respect, as you would outside of the narrative of a dream, through another means, such as uh, hypnosis. If you do that properly, you approach the unconscious politely with some distance and allow something to take shape between the unconscious and the conscious mind. That's Jung's transcendent position, the third position that is neither one nor the other, but is a space within which real communication can occur. So there's an awful lot of things that you can do that are wrong, and there are a few simple things that you can do that are right to understand dreams properly. Um, this is a huge topic, obviously. So I'll probably pause there, and if you want to give us some feedback on that, I'll be happy to take it further in a future video. And unless uh, you guys think there's something that I, I've missed, um, well, I probably I, have. I was just thinking about um, sort of modern neuroscience, really, and how it's overturned yeah. some of Jung's original yeah. ideas on the head with respect to to dreams and dream amplification. That's a, good point. That's a because, really good point. Uh, Jung obviously talked about big dreams, which That's you know point, yeah. uh, only supposed to come along sort of every now and then, and, and yeah. then they would be by their very nature important or significant but the research point. seems to suggest is that more than 50% of it's, dreams it's at are least, so called big at, dreams at least 50% yeah. um, appear to be what Jung would have interpreted from his model as yes. being archetypal yeah. whereas neuropsychoanalysis for example which is the uh, synthesis of cognitive neuroscience affective or emotional neuroscience and psychoanalysis together uh, suggest differently that um, that degree or that percentage of dreams that I've just mentioned are more likely to be instinctive than archetypal yes. but it, but instincts are so fundamentally important and do seem to determine the shape of a great deal of dreams. Mm -hmm. Jung thought that uh, complexes were the via regis, the royal road to the unconscious and also the architects of dreams. Freud considered dreams to be the viregus, the, the royal road to the unconscious, so they're not really disagreeing with one another, it's really a matter of emphasis. Um, complexes, being the architects of dreams, in some sense, yes, however, Jung suggested that archetypes were at the core of complexes. Um, I used to just accept that simply because Jung said it, uh, as I did with so many things. And I practiced like that for a long time, clinically. And I investigated my own dreams like that as well, uh, with that assumption in place. Now that I understand complexes better than I did, 
because I haven't just focused on my own, I've worked with other people's. And with the developments in neuroscience, neuropsychoanalysis, etc., it's quite clear that rather than archetypes at the core of even those dreams which are more ordinary, you'll actually find, even in a Jungian sense, that they are instinctively driven. And it's about instinctive adaptation or maladaptation. Again, this is uh, an area that we can go into in uh, more depth another time because it is a huge topic. But there's so much you can do, as I say, to understand the phenomenon of dreams. And there are a lot of mistakes that are very easily made in a well-intentioned sense. So, yeah, I'd agree mm. with you 100% yeah. there. Well, what's your take on it, James? Because you've had quite a journey yourself, haven't you? Oh, yes. So I was thinking, actually, when, when you're speaking about, um, when you say about dreams respond to yourself, what comes to mind, which um, the card of one, our first group of students would, would have seen this. I had a, I had a dream, and we did a dream interpretation demo, basically, with using him um, um, hypotherapeutic techniques, and I responded very very powerfully mm. to the real time interpretation. There were like physical things and states mm. coming on, very very powerful. But then you, in in hypnotherapeutic fashion, asked my psyche to generate a healing dream, and I did. Yeah, and I've done the same thing with other people as well. Mm. Not with hypnotherapy in this particular case. I've simply just, uh, I guess that there's a bit yeah. of it to it. I've asked the psyche to to produce a dream, mm. and it's it's it's, um, it's entertaining in that this is really cool. Life is such a rich thing. Sense when the the, the the patient will come back and be like, "How did you put yourself in my dream? How did you modify mm. my dream?" It's like I didn't. It's a dialectic between. Yeah. There's, there's another part of you, the 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 inner other in that sense. So it's, it's, I, I do think about it from an evolutionary point of view, though, because mm. I, I do sympathize with the way the question's phrased, because if we, if we require techniques to analyze dreams, then why would they have evolved mm. unless it's lost, forgotten ancient wisdom that we've since left since civilization coming along? Um, unless it just happens to be the circuitry which produces resultant images is never turned off. It's always yeah. on in the background. So yeah. we're currently, I think I think Jung said this himself, didn't he? We we're always dreaming all the time, yeah. but then we just don't tune into it. So when you go into a meditation yeah. or a trance state, you're just changing the frequency of the That's radio a really good from point. outer mm. to inner. Really so maybe it's just that things are, are, are never switched yeah. off. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. Um, the seeking system, for example, which is one of the Panksepian instinctive systems that have been identified by Yak Pangsept, the late Yak Pangsept. Uh, they, these are real. These are actual um, structures and pathways from deep within the brain, in the brain stem, the lower brain. Um, the seeking system is on all the time, and that's one reason why we have issues when that fine-tuning isn't in place. Uh, sleep paralysis, sleepwalking, that kind of thing. Uh, and why uh, we're unable to move normally when we're in a dream state because otherwise we would be acting out uh, some of the, the dream imagery. Uh, it's all deeply related to instinct uh, rather than archetype. We have to be really, really careful about how we define instinct and archetype. Uh, Jung's understanding of instincts was not up to speed with contemporary science. Not his fault. He formulated his ideas 120 years ago. Things have moved on. And we have to move our understanding along appropriately unless we really want to lose the plot. Mm. Uh, things are moving forward very, very powerfully. So I check out Mark Solms, that's Mark mm. S-O-L-M-S, uh, and his work on the neuroscience of dreaming. And he is a Freudian psychoanalyst and one of the founders of the discipline of neuropsychoanalysis, of which all three of us are actually a part. Mm -hmm. um, and we are going to be making a very strong Jungian contribution to that discipline academically. Um, specifically to do with complexes at the moment, but we're leading with that, at mm -hmm. least for now.
We sometimes find too, don't we, there's kind of like a turnover time as well. Yeah. Um, of a couple of days. And, and I'm sure that James has suggested that the you found some kind of genetic reason for that, James, mm, as to, yeah, to why yeah. things happen in that things, way. Things, things take take time for it to go from the DNA into protein, basically, or the you that's ready to be used in the, mm. the environment. Mm. So it's like um, your genes... You know, there, there are certain systems, say the the, the, the panic system, in like a pan-sapien mm. sense, those genes will always be being transcribed so that if yeah. I scream in your face for whatever reason, mm. you can then activate. But normally, no, it takes time for the genetic material to be transcribed into RNA yeah. then translated into protein. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's a really good question. It's a huge it question. Uh, and thank you for it. Yeah. Uh, it would be good to, um, to get some feedback from you and let's see if we can give you another answer that, that moves that one along. But thank you for it. Thank you. The Personal Myth Ultimate Handbook is now available for pre-order. For anyone who has a yearning deep in their very genome to become who they truly feel they should be, this guide is utterly indispensable. Pick up your copy today and make 2021 the year you truly begin to become yourself.